When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's V-Week on ESPN as we continue Jim Balvano's fight against cancer. on what you can accomplish. Undefeated into the championship game. Hey man, listen close, guys. This is a statement game. You want to go prove something, and that's the way we like it. Let's go kick these guys. It's championship week, which means scores to settle across college football. We start in the Pac-12. That's tonight. The Utes look to play spoiler for USC. Utah won the first game by a point on a two-point conversion with under a minute to go. We'll keep it a dozen. Big 12 title is on the line tonight to tomorrow with TCU and Kansas State. The Horn Frogs looking for their first college football playoff appearance. Kansas State, meanwhile, looking for Big 12 title number three. That would be the second most all time. Some familiar foes go at it in the SEC championship. We've got Georgia and LSU. It's the fifth time they meet for the title, second most in SEC history. LSU has won three of four, including 2019. Quite the story developing in the AAC championship between UCF and Tulane. Tulane seeking its first AAC title while UCF aiming for its fifth and final championship before moving to the Big 12 next year. And we can't talk champ week without the Big 10. Number two Michigan facing Purdue. Our analytics team giving the Wolverines an overwhelming 89% chance to win the highest of any championship game this weekend. And the ACC title is on the line Saturday. Clemson, North Carolina. The Tigers looking for conference title number eight. No other league school has made it to seven ACC title games, let alone won them. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy to have you with us. Desmond Howard already in Arlington, Texas, getting ready for the Big 12 championship game. And Joey Galloway, I'm Wendy Nix. And the wait is over. Championship weekend is here. Caleb Williams may very well be on the verge of winning a Heisman Trophy. But first things first, it's all happening tonight. USC just one win away from a likely college football playoff berth, but they'll have to get through Utah in the Pac-12 title game tonight. The Utes, of course, handed the Trojans their lone loss of the season coming by a point on a two-point conversion as time expired. Desmond, needless to say, there is so much on the line, especially for the Trojans tonight. Yeah, there is, and you, you, you hit it on the head. Well, obviously, you know, this is a team that wants to be in the college football playoff. I think they can not afford to lose tonight's game because if they do, it'll be two losses on the season, and then you have Ohio State right behind them at number five. So, and then you look at Caleb Williams, right? He's had a really good season. Uh, people are saying he's the front runner, but there's one game left, and they can try to 
derail his Heisman campaign tonight if they're able, the Utah youth, if they're able to go out there and win this game and if Caleb doesn't play at his best. So a lot on the line tonight. All eyes will be on the Pac-12 championship game tonight, Joey. Yeah, this might be the most watched Pac-12 championship in the history of Pac-12 championships because everything for this playoff rides on this game. USC, you win, you're in. It takes all the fun out of what we have to talk about on Sunday, but that's why people will be paying attention. I can imagine the people in Columbus, Ohio, will have on uh, their, uh, their Utah jerseys and their Utah sweatshirts and their flags and everything because they need Utah to win this game because if they do, Ohio State probably gets into the championship to play in the playoff uh, without playing for the Big Ten championship, which you know nobody really expected. Listen, there's a reason we talk about it being a long season. It's interesting to see how much has changed since these teams met for the first time on October 15th. USC, of course, suffering their lone loss. But listen closely to what Lincoln Riley had to say after that game. We'll rally. I have been in this position a couple of times. I told those guys kind of have an idea of what it looks like when you uh, can really make a run off of one of these. And this team has the – this team has the – the inner fortitude, the culture, the desire to win, um, the desire to overcome anything that goes your way, even things that are out of your control. Uh, that we got enough of that right now to get it done. We got to improve, we got to get better, and can't wait to go back to work with these guys. He certainly wasn't wrong. USC has turned it on over the last month and set to avenge their only loss again. That was to Utah. So they'll play tonight. Since the loss, the Trojans are perfect 5-0, leading the country in yards per game and ranking second in points per game. Paolo Ugetti is in Las Vegas ahead of the Pac-12 championship tonight. And Paolo, let's just start right off the bat with USC and what could possibly be the X factor for the Trojans. Yeah, well, obviously all eyes are going to be on Caleb Williams, Heisman frontrunner. He's bound to have another, you know, big game for him. But I, I'm looking at running back Austin Jones. I think he's going to play a big role in this game. USC obviously lost Travis Dye. They're starting running back to injury a few games ago. And Jones, in the middle of the season, he was getting fewer and fewer carries. But this, this now he's got to step into the starting role, and he's really come on as of late. Last week against Notre Dame, he had over 150 rushing yards. He's a key because we often talk about Lincoln Riley's system being the air raid in the past, but the running back is so key to that system succeeding. And for Caleb Williams to have another big game, Austin Jones also has to have one too. On the flip side, let's talk Utah. How do the Utes' offense change if Cam Rising is not 100%? And I presume he won't be completely healthy. Yeah, Cam Rising had his best game of the season against USC earlier this year. It's partly why they were able to beat the Trojans in Salt Lake. But he's banged up. You know, Kyle Whittingham has said he's not quite 100%. And so you can see in how they're using him. They're, they're running him less, which is a big part of how he succeeds. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Utah offense, you know, how their dynamic goes in terms of the run game and the pass game, given that Cam Rising is banged up. And also their starting running back, Tatum Thomas, is no longer there. All right, Paolo, thank you. Again, this game coming up tonight. Let's take a look at the tail of the tape. USC and Utah are both top 10 in the FBS in scoring this season. USC obviously ranked higher thanks to a more dominant record. But ESPN Analytics actually thinks Utah is the stronger team. And the Utes did take that first head-to-head -head matchup back in October. Uh, let's finish this sentence, Joey. Utah wins this game if, if what? 
Uh, Cam Rising uh, has to play well. It's always funny when people say somebody's not 100%. Well, at this time of season, nobody is 100%. Everybody's playing hurt. Everybody's playing banged up. Cam Rising will have to play as well as he did last game. And he has to find Dalton Kincaid, who he found 16 times uh, the first time they played for over 200 yards. And Dalton Kincaid is 6'4", 240, tight end that can stretch the field and, as you can see, is a physical runner. And so because of his size, he, beca his size, he becomes a big target for Cam Rising and an easy guy to find. And once he gets the ball in his hands, he can make plays, he can go up, he can get the ball. And so for them to win this game, it's going to take the same kind of play that they beat USC with the first time around, but I think this is a much better USC team than the first time they played. So Cam Rising, whatever percentage you are, go out there and find Dalton Kincaid as much as you can. All right, Desmond, let's do the same exercise for the Trojan. USC wins if, if what? Well, Wendy, Wendy and Joey, you know, all the talk is about Caleb Williams and USC's offense, and rightfully so because Lincoln Riley is a great coach and uh, he coaches the offense. But I think USC's defense, too, to be able to go out there, don't forget this group, they've been much maligned during the season. People talking about they don't play as well as the offense. Which is, hey, you got an explosive offense, but they do create turnovers too. Just imagine the USC defense going out there against Cam Rising, who obviously is a little banged up, but like Joey said, everyone's banged up at this part, at this part of this point in the season, but creating extra opportunities by um, getting turnovers and make, giving their offense great field position, more possessions, then that's, that's one way to win the championship game. You know, you never know how this offense is going to be with uh, the Utah Utes, but Ham Rising, last time these two teams played, he accounted for five touchdowns, two through the air and three on the ground. So I think the Trojans' defense, if they can go out there and create turnovers, which they've been great at, then I think this is going to be a way that USC can win this game. Yeah, double-edged sword, Desmond, right? Cam Rising hasn't forgotten that game. On the flip side, the Trojans certainly haven't forgotten it either. We are in year nine of the college football playoff. Kind of hard to believe when you think about it. And only the SEC and the ACC have averaged one team per year. The Pac-12 could get to its third team this season. That's if USC gets in. But that would be short-lived as USC and UCLA are set to move to the Big Ten in a few years. And on that note, we say hello to Adam Rittenberg, who's already on site for the Big Ten championship game. And we'll talk a little more about that game coming up. But I do want to ask you, first off, about UCLA, Adam, and what their intent, we know what their intentions are, what you're hearing about their potential move. Well, Wendy, Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren told me he's hopeful that any remaining open issues between the University of California region, regents and UCLA can be resolved that would allow the regents to green light UCLA's move from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten. The, the regents are going to meet on December 14th. They've met several times about UCLA's situation, but they will finally make a decision. Warren telling me, though, the Big Ten is, is already doing everything it can to uh, set up this transition. They have a transition committee. They're addressing travel. They're addressing student-athlete mental health, academics. They're doing everything they can to create what he told me is a perfect fit for UCLA. So they're hopeful this will finally be resolved on December 14th. This also coming on the heels of the playoff expansion news. We now know, of course, it will go from four teams to 12 in 2024. Adam, thank you. Stay with us. We're going to talk about the Big Ten right after this, of course. 
Uh, Michigan has plenty of motivation, but will Big Blue get caught looking too far ahead? We'll talk about what the Wolverines have ahead when we come back. And as I mentioned before, with the playoff finally set to expand, it's time to explore what that looks like. Who better than the executive director of the college football playoff? Bill Hancock joins the show next. College Football Live is brought to you by T-Mobile. Don't miss the T-Mobile SEC Championship Concert with Brothers Osborne. Live Saturday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Just four quarters of striking people. When you want respect and you want to earn respect, you strike them. And you strike them and you strike them. Give me the lights, give me the hate, give me the pressure. Know where to run, know where to hide, pain is pleasure. I hear the rules, calling my name, no surrender. He won't need a strong survive. Every week's going to be a fight. Embrace this moment. And when this team has to answer the bell, this is our mentality. We ain't backing down, we ain't running. Welcome back. It's hard not to get amped up when you see that. We say hello again to Adam, who's already at Lucas Oil Stadium, as I mentioned before, getting ready for the Big Ten Championship. Let's start with Purdue. Adam, I know you had a chance to chat with Jeff Brom. What is the mindset of this Boilermakers team heading into the weekend? Wendy, Jeff Prom told me he didn't know about the spoiler maker tradition, but he does now. Purdue has more wins as an unranked team over number one or number two teams from the AP than anyone else. They have four more wins, and he's been part of two of those. And Jeff Prom told me the key is you can't be in awe, you can never lose confidence, and when you get a lead, you can't get timid. He's seen too many teams do that. So if Purdue gets a lead against Michigan, Jeff Prom will continue to be ultra aggressive and try to extend that lead. He obviously did that against Ohio State in that famous game back in 2018. They're going to try to do that tonight. I joke with him, are you going to throw it 70 times a game? He kind of laughed, but I wouldn't put it past them. Listen, prevent defense will do them no favors in this situation. There's no doubt about that. Adam, listen, Michigan also dealing with some issues off the field. Uh, any distraction at all uh, for the Wolverines? I don't think so. You Certainly they addressed the Mozzie Smith situation. He is going to play for Michigan, even though he has that pending uh, gun charge, the, the felony charge. Um, so so that he's going to be out there for that defensive line, which has obviously been one of the team's strengths this season. They lost a first-round pick in Aiden Hutchinson, lost a second-round pick in David Ojabo, and their defensive line hasn't missed a beat. So Mozzie Smith out there, obviously Blake Corum's injury. They've had a lot go on this week, but Michigan has been incredibly focused, and they're going to, you know, they haven't been in this position too often when they're going for two consecutive outright Big Ten titles. That would be a first under Jim Harbaugh. Okay, Adam, thank you. And again, if you missed the news, Blake Corum, of course, having surgery now, out for now, and, and in all likelihood the rest of the season. All right, Adam, here's the situation. Take a look at this. Purdue may feel like 
a long shot to take down number two Michigan, but they may actually be in a decent position. The Boilermakers, as you mentioned, have won nine games against AP top two teams while unranked in their history. That's the most by any team all time, and that's what Adam was talking about when he referenced the spoiler makers. Uh, Des and Joey are back with us. And Des, listen, uh, you know, look, Michigan obviously knows what they're looking at here. They understand what's at stake. But having said that, is there any danger at all of looking past this weekend, sort of what's out there in terms of the CFP? Well, Wendy um, and Joey can, can speak to this. We're like old school Big Ten guys. And back in the day, one of your biggest goals, a primary goal, was to win the conference championship. And Coach Harbaugh is an old school Big Ten guy, too. So he understands that's one of their biggest goals of the season. You know, they're number two in the country. We understand about the college football playoff ahead of them. But before they get to that step, they want to win the Big Ten championship. And it'll be the second one in the row, which will be huge for the program. So those players, that coaching staff, they understand. They want to make sure that they're Big Ten champs and then let that propel them into the college football playoff. They will not take this game lightly. They will not take Purdue lightly. This is one of their biggest goals of the season. That makes a lot of sense. All right, Joey, let's talk Purdue. Uh, we've done this before. We'll do it again. Purdue wins this ball game if. Well, I think it's going to come down to offense and Aiden O'Connell playing big in this game. After watching what Ohio, I mean, Michigan's defense, sorry, Michigan's offense did against Ohio State's defense, uh, we know that that offense can be explosive. So it's going to be up to Purdue to match that explosiveness, and that's going to be Aiden O'Connell taking care of the football number one. In the last three games, which they've won, he's only thrown one interception. But in the two games before that that they had lost, he thrown five interceptions. So this offense of Purdue comes down to Aiden O'Connell not just making big plays, but being able to take care of the football, possessing the football, because as we've seen with this Michigan offense and their ability to run the football, you may not get a, a lot of opportunities with the ball in your hand. So when you do have it, you have to make them count and you cannot give away extra possessions and turning the ball over. Okay, again, Michigan looking for their second consecutive Big Ten championship, as you heard Desmond say, and he's correct, a huge step forward for that Michigan program, should that be the case. Still to come on this hour-long edition of College Football Live, the Tigers of LSU have been playing up to their competition. The question, can they do that against the number one team in the land? in the SEC championship game and the transfer portal opens on Monday. It'll take 45 days. Last year, 3,000 players put their names in the hat. We'll tell you who might be in this time around. ESPN. Our Goodyear road test this week, taking a look at LSU. The Tigers were absolutely dominant in Baton Rouge, nearly doubling teams up on the scoreboard, but it was a different story entirely away from home. But they struggled away, actually getting outgamed, outscored in those games. All right, look. Uh, nevertheless, Desmond, they live to play another day. It's an SEC championship. You've got LSU. You've got Georgia, of course, the top team in the country. Virtually, I think, a lock to play in the college football playoff. So having said that, 
Uh, still, a lot, a lot LSU can do here to mix things up and make a mess. Uh, what do they have to do to perhaps be successful against the Bulldogs? Well, first, first thing they need to do is go out there and match the energy of the Georgia Bulldogs. I mean, they're going to have to show up and play like they played in Baton Rouge in Death Valley against Alabama. That night, they were uber prepared for Alabama, and it showed, and they matched the intensity of Alabama. They're going to have to rise to the occasion and play a similar game against Georgia. Daniels, he's going to have to play the best game of the season so far, and he's, like Joey said earlier, like everyone, he's a little banged up. But it's the SEC championship game. There is no tomorrow anyway, so listen. Go out there and play with the same intensity and effort that they did against Alabama because that's the only way they're going to have a fighter's chance or a puncher's chance in this game tomorrow against the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, I kind of thought, uh, I, I sort of fell into thinking that LSU had a chance right up until last week when they played Texas A&M. <laughs> And Texas A&M put it on. Yep. And so, and so yeah. now, Dez, I hear you. You keep saying they better do the best thing they've ever done. They better be as hyped as they've ever been. They have the best plays they've ever had. And so I think you're saying the same thing, Dez. It doesn't feel like LSU has a chance because we've seen Georgia get up a couple times this season. And when they do, yeah. they look yeah. like the best team in the country. So LSU sort of... Uh, ruined the feeling that we were getting uh, about their chance of beating Georgia in this game. And I agree with you, Dad. It's going to take the best of everything that LSU has to win this football game. All right, Joey, having said that, uh, and look, th that's a lot of evers, by the way, best ever, best ever. Uh, but look, Georgia knows, <laughs> knows what's coming next, okay? So look, take out staying healthy because that's obvious. they got to still stay healthy. But what do you want to accomplish in this game if you're Georgia? Well, I just mentioned it. We, we've seen Georgia get up for two games this season. Uh, that was Oregon and Tennessee. And there was a lot of games in between there where they sort of slept, walked through it, didn't look great, but they found ways to win. So we know that they have another gear, another level that this team can go to when they get into a big game. This is a big game. Much like Dez said about the Big Ten uh, and winning the Big Ten and your goals – Winning the conference championships for these teams is absolutely huge. Second only to winning the national championship. So it's no chance they would go into this game and not be ready to play, uh, even though, I agree with you, Wendy, they're a lock to get into the playoff. But winning the SEC championship, that's huge for Georgia in their second season of getting this program rolling to a place where not many teams can match what they've been able to do. So I expect Georgia to come out in this game and be ready to go. I couldn't agree with you more, Joey. I think that um, they understand it's go time. This is uh, the championship, the SEC championship game, and they know the next step is the college football playoff. So for this team and their pedigree, don't forget, they were in this situation a year ago, right? And they had to avenge a loss to Alabama. Well, they lost the Alabama game, but then they ended up avenging that loss in the playoff. They don't want that to happen. They want to go into the playoff with a lot of momentum, so they're not going to take LSU lightly. And like Joey said, when this team has decided to turn it on, they have looked like the best team in the country. I was at the game in between the hedges against Tennessee, and that game was not even as close as the final score indicated. So, yeah, they know it's go time. So Kirby's going to have his dogs ready to bark and bite tomorrow. Listen, if, if that game wasn't as close as the score indicated, that, that says something because the score does, as you know, 
one real close. Uh, so that tells you maybe all you need to know about these Georgia Bulldogs. Don't forget, uh, they're looking to repeat as national champions on the back of Stetson Bennett, but it was JT Daniels who entered the season as the starting quarterback last year. The transfer porter will be critical again this year, and that date opens on Monday. Uh, 45 days they have in this first window. Cade McNamara led Michigan to a Big Ten title. He has now announced he is transferring to Iowa. He lost the starting job to J.J. McCarthy this season. We know, of course, what happened after that. He's not the only notable name entering the transfer portal. Oregon State quarterback Chance Nolan started most of last season before a neck injury derailed his season. He will opt for the portal. Hudson Card, he started two games at Texas, and then just like that, Quinn Ewers took over the reins in Austin. Brennan Armstrong leaving Virginia as a grad transfer after starting most of the last three seasons uh, there. So again, some notable names, Desmond, entering the portal. If you don't know, they've revised it. There'll be two windows, this first one opening Monday, 45 days, and then there'll be another shorter window in in May. Cade McNamara, we know he's going to Iowa. Does, in your estimation, is this a good fit? I think it's a really good fit because don't forget, um, Iowa was a team, especially earlier in the season, that we were just trying to, we were trying to find their offense. The defense was exceptional, but the offense was awful. And eventually, later in the season, they started to get their groove, find their groove, and score some points. But you bringing in Cade McNamara, who's obviously very familiar with the, 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 the footprint in the, in the conference, the Big Ten. Um, he's a very good quarterback from the pocket. He's not a dual-threat quarterback, but he's going to be able to read defenses and keep you got, keep the offense in winning situations, winning positions. And, uh, he, you know, he's played a lot of offense at the highest level, had a tremendous season a year ago, took Michigan to the college football playoff, uh, led them to – you know, their first victory over Ohio State in who knows how many years in the Big Ten Conference champions. So this guy brings a winning pedigree. He understands the conference. I think this is a pretty good fit for Cade McNamara with the Iowa Hawkeyes. Hey, Des, that's very kind of you to say Iowa was looking for their offense this season. Uh, I think we were all looking for the Iowa offense this season. This is <laughs> an interesting move. This is a really interesting move by Cade McNamara to me. Now, I, I do think that if you look around and see, like, the jobs that you think you could step into and, and probably win, Iowa's probably a, a great place to go. But it is going to be interesting to see if they can get this offense going that Dez is very kindly saying they were looking for this season. They were terrible. And so when you transfer in there as a quarterback – uh, maybe you're assuming that you're the key piece to get this thing going, but that'll be an interesting one to watch. Uh, Joey, when you look at that list of names, and, and look, there'll, there'll be more, uh, but those are some pretty big names, certainly at the quarterback position. Uh, who, who on that list do you think, wherever they land, will ultimately find success? That is, that is so hard to say. As, as I looked over the list and I was uh, studying those names, it, it really depends where they go. Uh, and, and I'm not a big fan of the transfer portal. I'm not a big fan of uh, guys being able to leave and, and go somewhere else. But especially at a quarterback position, uh, it really depends on what kind of system you go into. I mean, if it, you're a Caleb Williams and you're going to USC in that pass offense, you're going to have success. Uh, but we also saw Spencer Rattler go to South Carolina. And for much of the season, 
Uh, it looked terrible, much like Dez said. They were looking for their offense. And then we've seen the last two games, they looked terrific. It really depends on the coaching staff, the team, what pieces are around you. So it's kind of hard to pick a guy and say, I think this guy will be uh, very successful no matter what. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. It really is hard to handicap that, Joey, when you don't know where they're going, who they'll be coached by, what situation they'll find themselves in. Uh, but again, that, that window, that 45-day window does open on Monday. So keep an eye out for these players who will ultimately uh, and probably quickly find landing spots. Still to come on College Football Live, TCU. Uh, certainly has its quarterback. They're not looking for their offense, by the way. Max Duggan has provided that. His story is fantastic. Jen Lada has his story coming up. Can't wait. Jerry World, a big stage, both for the Big 12 championship and for Max Duggan. Don't forget the road that led him to TCU came from small town Iowa, built on toughness and grit. Here's his story. The true freshman Max Duggan out of Lewis Central High School in Iowa. Snap back, Duggan this time rips it out of the belly of Shaywell, turns it up and scores! Max Duggan arrives against Texas. Just in the evolution of Max Duggan as a quarterback, what do you remember about that game? Being able to get that win against them at home with the fans storming, I think that was the start of that game of trusting yourself. Taking off Duggan with his legs. There's a dog. He's a he's a competitor. He's a winner. I think his calmness and his his confidence is is one of the things that's been a, a trademark of this team. Describe your hometown to me and how you sort of have taken on the personality of your hometown. I grew up in Council Iowa, and I'd just say it's people with a lot of you know grit, tough. I think that's kind of the mindset that we have. Growing up in that town really shaped me to to who I am and being surrounded by those great people. I don't know many people, if any, that would still be playing the game, you know, after hearing some of the news he's had and some of the injuries he's gone through. Going into my sophomore year thinking, okay, you know, you have a season under your belt, you know, maybe you can make a jump into the season and you get COVID and, you know, you go through all the heart tests for, for student athletes and I find out I have a heart condition that I've had since birth and, you know, non-related to COVID. It put catheters through my neck and groin. It was, I had a nine hour procedure and then two days later, I had a blood clot from the surgery, so I had to have a, go into emergency surgery after that. Kind of just puts a, a stop in your life. I'm sure that played a role in how you approached the quarterback competition headed into this season. What was your attitude when you were facing that situation? Yeah, I think just go in there and compete. You know, do whatever I can to maybe put myself in a, in a position to win the job. And then if I wasn't able to win the job, do whatever I could to help this team win. Unfortunately, I didn't win the job and then, you know, taking on the role of being a backup, being the best backup in the country, trying to help Chandler as much as he needed it. Chandler Morris remains on this sideline, left knee with ice. If you're a TCU fan, you still feel good about Max Duggan at quarterback. I think the, the quarterback position by nature in a lot of ways is kind of a narcissistic position. It has to be about you a lot of times. and. You know, Max is one of the few guys that I've been around. It's, it's never about him. It's always about his teammates and 
and you know, trying to make those around him better. And I think that's why people appreciate him so much. He cares more about the team than he does himself. Duggan drops it in behind the defense. Touchdown. This man's got a dragon in his chest. And right now, he's spitting hot fire. How would you describe your journey? Eventful. So many successes and, and failures, and I think that's what I've grown into to have these people support me, have TCU support me, the guys in this locker room, coaching staff support me. You know, it's been tremendous to think about the things that we've gone through and being so down to be in the position that we're in right now. And what a position it is. The story of TCU's season has obviously been anchored this season by his leadership and the performance of Max Duggan. His greatest success this year has been found downfield. Duggan completing 56% of his passes, 15 or more yards downfield with nearly a perfect QBR on those throws and 19 touchdowns. That's the most in the FBS. Uh, Des, I'm going to say it for you. Max Duggan is dangerous, okay? That's for sure. The question is, yeah. what allows him to be so dangerous? Well, I tell you this, Wendy. Uh, so we were at the Kansas game, right, in, in Lawrence, Kansas. And obviously, you know, Kansas, they were rolling. And we were excited about that game. And I'm caught up in the, the hype. Like, yeah, I'm going to pick the Jayhawks to win this game. But then TCU took the field. And Joy, you know, you see some people on film, and I'm watching Max Duggan the previous week, and he's running away from Oklahoma's secondary. And then they take the field in, in, in Lawrence, and I'm like, David, damn, look how big Max Duggan is. I mean, he's that big, <laughs> that strong, that physical, and that fast, too. I mean, so he's a very physical runner. He has really good speed, very good passer, too. But what really makes Max Duggan Max Duggan is his personality, the way he's endeared himself to his teammates. He's had so many injuries. He's lost a starting job, but he never pouted. He never complained. He didn't threaten to go into the transfer portal. His attitude was, I'm going to be the best backup I can be. The starter got hurt. Max Duggan came in, didn't miss a beat. Your teammates, they love you. They respect you when that happens. And it makes everybody, not just the offense, Wendy, it makes everybody want to try even that much harder because they've seen his journey, what he's gone through. That's what makes Max Duggan, Max Duggan, on the field and off the field. And TCU has been in some tough situations this season. Uh, and through the middle of that season, they were behind at halftime uh, a lot of the games. Or in the second half, they were behind, and they found ways to come back. And as you know this, for your quarterback to come into a huddle game after game when you're behind and you have confidence in this guy to bring you back to find a way to win games he never looks shook for the guys on the team the guys in the huddle and like you said the defensive guys also this includes the coaching staff when you have that kind of quarterback that you know he's not shook he has every confidence in his abilities and your abilities to come back and win these football games i think as this thing has gone along everyone assumed that tcu was eventually going to lose a game but Max Duggan continued to do what they needed him to do, whatever it was, run it, throw it, make plays to find ways to win football games. And now here we are sitting at the end and everyone is now becoming a true believer in TCU. Yeah, I said this yesterday, Joey. He's the very definition of do your job, right? You say do your job. That, that's all this kid has done from start to finish. I say finish, but there is certainly work 
left to be done for TCU. They want to win, obviously, over the weekend, but they have their sights set on something bigger as well. Joey, everybody's got a different opinion on this. Do they have to win this game? Do they have to be the Big 12 champions to stay in that top four in the college football playoff? I don't think so now. I think the, the, what's happened the past few weeks uh, with Tennessee losing to South Carolina, uh, with, with when, you, when we watched the Pac-12 take their hit, uh, when UCLA and Oregon lost another game, uh, when LSU lost their third game in the season, it really just opened the door that it comes down to what TCU's been able to do up until now, being undefeated and playing for a conference championship. If they lose this game, uh, if they're in the game and they lose, I truly believe that TCU still stays within that top four because Ohio State is the only team sitting on the outside that has a chance to get in. And I don't think because Ohio State's not playing for, the net for a conference championship and the way they lost to Michigan, I don't think they jump ahead of TCU if TCU loses. Yeah, I agree with Joey 100% because now at this point in the season, we're talking style points. And if they go out there, they play a tough Kansas State team, and it comes down to the end, and let's just say Kansas State kicks a field goal, beats them by, you know, two points, one point, whatever the case may be, but it's a slim margin. I think because of the competitive spirit of the game and because of what has happened so far this season with TCU, um, they're a strong number three in my eyes. I believe the college football uh, playoff selection committee now respects them. Like Joey said earlier, People were watching TCU earlier and just waiting for them to lose a game, but they didn't do it. And so then I think the selection committee and fans and everybody around the college football world started to become believers in the Horned Frogs. So if it's a close game, I still think they're safe. Now, if they go out there, lay an egg and get their doors blown off, then they open up the door for Ohio State to sneak in through the back door. I would say this too, Desmond, you're right. Remember those first rankings? I mean, it was just the initial take at this thing. But, you know, the committee just almost had to put them in eventually in spite of themselves. They just they just thought, you know, they just right. kept thinking that that other shoe will fall. It didn't. This team has yep. won close games. They've won in a lot of different ways. And, of course, have another chance over the weekend to become Big 12 champions and complete their undefeated season. Uh, it is V-Week here at ESPN where we talk about cancer research. Uh, coming up on College Football live you do not want to miss this story uh demetrius michi walker dreamed of playing for michigan cancer got in the way but his dreams realized one way or another Jerry World, a big stage, both for the Big 12 championship and for Max Duggan. Don't forget the road that led him to TCU came from small town Iowa, built on toughness and grit. Here's his story. The true freshman Max Duggan out of Lewis Central High School in Iowa. Snap back, Duggan this time rips it out of the belly of Shea turns it up and scores! Max Duggan arrives against Texas. Just in the evolution of Max Duggan as a quarterback, what do you remember about that game? 
Being able to get that win against them at home with the fans storming, I think that was the start of that game of trusting yourself. Taking off, Duggan with his legs. Oh, Duggan all the way for the touchdown. There's a dog. He's a, he's a competitor. He's a winner. I think his calmness and his, his confidence is, is one of the things that's been a, a trademark of this team. Describe your hometown to me and how you sort of have taken on the personality of your hometown. I grew up in Council's Iowa, and I'd just say it's people with a lot of, you know, grit, tough. I think that's kind of the mindset that we have. Growing up in that town really shaped me to, to who I am and being surrounded by those great people. I don't know many people, if any, that would still be playing the game, you know, after hearing some of the news he's had and some of the injuries he's gone through. Going into my sophomore year thinking, okay, you know, you have a season under your belt, you know, maybe you can make a jump into the season and you get COVID and, you know, you go through all the heart tests for, for student athletes and I find out I have a heart condition that I've had since birth and, you know, non-related to COVID. It put catheters through my neck and groin. It was, I had a nine hour procedure and then two days later I had a blood clot from the surgery. So I had to have a, go into emergency surgery right after that. Kind of just puts a, a stop in your life. I'm sure that played a role in how you approached the quarterback competition headed into this season. What was your attitude when you were facing that situation? Yeah, I think just go in there and compete. You know, do whatever I can to maybe put myself in a, in a position to win the job. And then if I wasn't able to win the job, do whatever I could to help this team win. But unfortunately, I didn't win the job and then, you know, taking on the role of being a backup, being the best backup in the country, trying to help Chandler as much as he needed it. Chandler Morris remains on the sideline, left knee with ice. If you're a TCU fan, you still feel good about Max Duggan at quarterback. I think the, the quarterback position by nature, in a lot of ways, is kind of a narcissistic position. It has to be about you a lot of times. And, you know, Max is one of the few guys that I've been around. It's, it's never about him. It's always about his teammates and, and, you know, trying to make those around him better. And I think that's why people appreciate him so much. He cares more about the team than he does himself. Duggan drops it in behind the defense. Touchdown! This man's got a dragon in his chest, and right now he's spitting hot fire. How would you describe your journey? Eventful. So many successes and, and failures, and I think that's what I've grown into to have these people support me, have TCU support me, the guys in this locker room, coaching staff support me. You know, it's been tremendous to think about the things that we've gone through and being so down to be in the position that we're in right now. And what a position it is. The story of TCU's season has obviously been anchored this season by his leadership and the performance of Max Duggan. His greatest success this year has been found downfield. Duggan completing 56% of his passes, 15 or more yards downfield with nearly a perfect QBR on those throws and 19 touchdowns. That's the most in the FBS. Uh, Des, I'm going to say it for you. Max Duggan is dangerous, okay? That's for sure. The question is, yeah. what allows him to be so dangerous? Well, I tell you this, Wendy. Uh, so we were at the Kansas game, right, in, in Lawrence, Kansas, and obviously, you know, Kansas, they were rolling, and we were excited about that game. And I'm caught up in the, the hype. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to pick the Jayhawks to win this game. But then TCU took the field. And, Joy, you know you see some people on film, and I'm watching Max Duggan the previous week, and he's running away from Oklahoma's secondary. And then they take the field in, in, in Lawrence, and I'm like, David, damn, look how big Max Duggan is. I mean, he's that big, <laughs> that strong, that physical, and that fast, too. 
I mean, so he's a very physical runner. He has really good speed, very good passer, too. But what really makes Max Duggan, Max Duggan, is his personality, the way he's endeared himself to his teammates. He's had so many injuries. He's lost a starting job, but he never pouted. He never complained. He didn't threaten to go into the transfer portal. His attitude was, I'm going to be the best backup I can be. The starter got hurt. Max Duggan came in, didn't miss a beat. Your teammates, they love you. They respect you when that happens. And it makes everybody, not just the offense, Wendy, it makes everybody want to try even that much harder because they've seen his journey, what he's gone through. That's what makes Max Duggan, Max Duggan, on the field and off the field. And TCU has been in some tough situations this season. Uh, and through the middle of that season, they were behind at halftime uh, a lot of the games. were in the second half, they were behind, and they found ways to come back. And as you know this, for your quarterback to come into a huddle game after game when you're behind and you have confidence in this guy to bring you back to find a way to win games, he never looks shook. For the guys on the team, the guys in the huddle, and like you said, the defensive guys also, this includes the coaching staff, when you have that kind of quarterback that you know he's not shook, he has every confidence in his abilities and your abilities to come back and win these football games, I think as this thing has gone along, everyone assumed that TCU was eventually going to lose a game. But Max Duggan continued to do what they needed him to do, whatever it was, run it, throw it, make plays to find ways to win football games. And now here we are sitting at the end and everyone is now becoming a true believer in TCU. Yeah, I said this yesterday, Joey. He's the very definition of do your job, right? You say do your job. That, that's all this kid has done from start to finish. I say finish, but there is certainly work left to be done for TCU. They want to win, obviously, over the weekend, but they have their sights set on something bigger as well. Joey, everybody's got a different opinion on this. Do they have to win this game? Do they have to be the Big 12 champions to stay in that top four in the college football playoff? I don't think so now. I think the, the, what's happened the past few weeks uh, with Tennessee losing to South Carolina, uh, with, with when, you, when we watched the Pac-12 take their hit, uh, when UCLA and Oregon lost another game, uh, when LSU lost their third game in the season, it really just opened the door that it comes down to what TCU's been able to do up until now, being undefeated and playing for a conference championship. If they lose this game, uh, if they're in the game and they lose, I truly believe that TCU still stays within that top four because Ohio State is the only team sitting on the outside that has a chance to get in. And I don't think because Ohio State's not playing for, the net for a conference championship and the way they lost to Michigan, I don't think they jump ahead of TCU if TCU loses. Yeah, I agree with Joey 100% because now at this point in the season, we're talking style points. And if they go out there and they play a tough Kansas State team, and it comes down to the end, and let's just say Kansas State kicks a field goal, beats them by, you know, two points, one point, whatever the case may be, but it's a slim margin. I think because of the competitive spirit of the game and because of what has happened so far this season with TCU, um, they're a strong number three in my eyes. I believe the college football uh, playoff selection committee now respects them. Like Joey said earlier, People were watching TCU earlier and just waiting for them to lose a game, but they didn't do it. And so then I think the selection committee and fans and everybody around the college football world started to become believers in the Horned Frogs. So 
If it's a close game, I still think they're safe. Now, if they go out there laying egg and get their doors blown off, then they open up the door for Ohio State to sneak in through the back door. I would say this too, Desmond, you're right. Remember those first rankings? I mean, it was just the initial take at this thing. But, you know, the committee just almost had to put them in eventually in spite of themselves. They just they just thought, you know, they just right. kept thinking that that other shoe will fall. It didn't. This team has yep. won close games. They've won in a lot of different ways. And, of course, have another chance over the weekend to become Big 12 champions and complete their undefeated season. Uh, it is V-Week here at ESPN where we talk about cancer research. Uh, coming up on College Football. Live, you do not want to miss this story. Uh, Demetrius Michi Walker dreamed of playing for Michigan. Cancer got in the way, but his dreams realized one way or another. I'm still here, I'm fighting, I'm not losing. But I gotta amend that. When you die, that does not mean that you lose to cancer. You beat cancer by how you live, why you live, and in the manner in which you live. Welcome back. It's V Week, a time when ESPN highlights the need for cancer research. Before he was diagnosed in 2020 with bone cancer, Demetrius Michi Walker was a highly recruited defensive end who had attracted the close attention of his home state dream team, Michigan. Now, as Michi fights for his life, Michigan has embraced him as one of their own. Oh, are you jumping? Okay. <laughs> Kite. His dad is everything to him. Ugh. He sort of understands that his dad isn't feeling well. Like, daddy hurt. Ugh. Big boy. Every day, 18-year-old Demetrius Michi Walker gives his two-year-old son, Kai, love and time. The love is unconditional. The time, though, is uncertain. I try my hardest to show him that daddy is in pain, but daddy will always love you and, and I will always be here to the day I die. In the fall of 2020, Michi Walker was a six foot five, 266 pound junior defensive end for the Big Reds of Muskegon High School. He already had offers from Kentucky's Big Blue and Michigan State's Big Green but he was holding out for the big house and the only colors that mattered to him. The maize and blue of his home state dream school, Michigan. That was the place where he was definitely going to sign. The recruiter, he came to see Michi and he told him, you are what we want. And he was just jumping. I mean, the house was shaking. What was it about Michigan that you always loved? Just the culture about it, you know? Uh, the team, the coaching staff, just the way they did things, the way they carried themselves, and I just love that about them. But that November, after a doctor had noticed a lump on Michi's left knee during an exam, a biopsy revealed osteosarcoma, bone cancer. It's still hard to this day, you know? That takes a big, like, 
toe in my heart. What did you tell your son that day? I love you. I'm here and we're going to fight until we cannot fight anymore. Despite surgery and nine months of chemotherapy, the cancer returned in late 2021. In April of this year, with the tumor now the size of a head of lettuce, Michi's left leg was amputated. And yet, the cancer continued to spread. But word of Michi's fight also spread, all the way back to Ann Arbor. I heard of a young man who was a former football player who was in hospice care, and would we meet him, show him around? His recruiting was just taking off. And so it is a heartbreaking story, but it is also a story with a lot of beauty in it because he's a beautiful kid. On August 13th, Michi and his family made the 173-mile drive from Muskegon to Michigan Stadium for his first ever visit inside the big house. How we doing? I'm doing good. Coach Harbaugh. <laughs> Michi was hurting so bad that day. He was, his whole body was just in excruciating pain. He just smiled like nothing ever happened, like he wasn't even in pain. Michi, our good friend here from Muskegon. Oh. Yeah. He's going to score a touchdown today. Yeah. Took the end off <laughs> and score my touchdown. Yeah, I spiked the ball, made it to world. Yeah, definitely. After that, it was history. It was Michigan. It was the miracle of Michigan. Michigan woke him up, and I thank them. Twice each week, specialists from the Hospice of Michigan visit Michi. As his condition worsens, Michi has lost more than 70 pounds, has difficulty breathing, and often slips in and out of consciousness. But Michi doesn't battle cancer alone. So like when we're out at practice, Eric All, one of our tight ends, said, you know, think about Michi. Think how much, you know, he would love to be out here no matter how hard it would be. But nobody deserved to be put in the position he in. He probably stronger than everybody we got, you know, to be facing what he's facing right now. Wearing a jersey autographed by the entire team, Michi summoned that strength to later attend a Michigan game and got a standing ovation that he never could have imagined. In the big house, please welcome Michi to Michigan Stadium. Hey guys, we're gonna dedicate this game to Michi Walker. That's something that empowered our guys. And if you're gonna dedicate a game to somebody, you gotta win it. Touchdown, Blake Corum, Michigan. That was four quarters of gritty football, just like the person Meet you, we're giving this game ball too. We dedicated this game to. I love Michigan. <laughs> they love you back. Yeah, they do. There you go. Man, 
I really wish things were different. I'm gonna have to get this to my son when he grows up. Go blue! L to the victors. Man, we're going to the championship and I feel it. Keep it for him. So I can remember who I am. Does look, it's just tremendous to watch. And I, and I think it's worth noting as we look ahead to championship weekend and, of course, to the college football playoff, this is really, these stories are what make college football so incredible. And I know you, as a former athlete, you've been a part of this. You've been a part of that Michigan program. Uh, what do these moments mean to not only those that are, are being helped, but to these current players? You know, Wendy, um, I was really happy when I saw Gene do that piece on Michi because about a month before that, I had been in contact with um, his caregiver and um, talking about Michi and talking about his, you know, his fight and his journey and how much Michigan meant to him. And so I had actually submitted a video to be played for Michi. And so when Gene did that piece, I was elated because it's a two-way street, like you said, Wendy. You know, it, it feeds his soul, his spirit to see Michigan embrace him the way that they did, Jim Harbaugh, that staff and that team. But it's also, it also helps us too, because we get inspired because of his journey, because of his fight. He's such a resilient young man. You know, his mom said that even that day he went to Ann Arbor, his whole body was hurt. He was in so much pain. But you never, ever would have been able to know that by the smile on Michi's face, because that's what sports and, and and being kind and generous can do to people's spirit into their soul. So it was just great to see Michigan football, Michigan's whole program embrace Michi the way that they have. And it's just wonderful to be a part of that, Wendy. It really is. You know, no question. Des, I've seen that piece before, and the, the line that gets me every time is when he says, I love Michigan, and Woj says, well, Michigan loves you. I mean, to your point, it's a two-way street, just a tremendous story. This is timely, of course, because as we did mention, it's V-Week at ESPN, where we highlight the urgent need for cancer research. Uh, I want to get this right, so I'm going to read it. You can donate at v.org slash donate. This Heisman Update is brought to you by Nissan, premier partner of the Heisman Trophy. Well, here are your Heisman hopefuls, and they won't have too long to hope. Pretty soon we'll know, Des. Uh, this is where Vegas basically has one and two. Caleb Williams and Max Duggan, you saw that feature on Max and his journey earlier. Both of these teams obviously still in contention. That's a part of this. Uh, listen, is it a foregone conclusion, Des, for you that Caleb Williams will win the Heisman? Wendy, it is not. And I think that, you know, when they release the ballots early, you encourage people to vote early, and I don't like that at all. I believe that you should wait until the final game, which is the conference championship game. Caleb Williams plays tonight. Uh, Max Duggan plays tomorrow. If Caleb Williams does not have a big game, well, if he lays an egg, and if Max Duggan comes out here and scores like five touchdowns, three through the air, two on the ground, and they blow the doors off of Kansas State, 
then we're looking at a guy who can walk away with the Heisman. So it's not a foregone conclusion.